This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. Welcome to Relevant Life Church online. Welcome to Relevant Life Church in the building. It's good to see some faces. Do you love Jesus today? Yeah? It's good to see some faces that I haven't seen for a bit, some new faces that I'm not sure I quite completely recognize. We'd love to get to know you a little bit better. I want to remo- thank you for your participation last week. Uh, those of you that were absent and weren't able to, to be present, we had a ministry fair last week that uh, highlighted all of our ministries, actually 14 ministries within our church, looking for people to get back involved, to step back in. How many know that the success of the ministry, ministries in a church, or in this church, uh, just, just speaking of us, is based upon your level of commitment and your level of serving. We as a, as a pastoral staff cannot accomplish all of it. So we thank you for coming out, walking through. We thank you for taking interest in. We had a, a out of 14 ministries, we had 39 signups. Uh, so uh, that's signups of interest. We wa- I want to spur you on today. If you were one of those that signed up for interest, go beyond interest and go to activity. All right, so uh, at this point, some of you have been receiving emails already from your ministry leads, and if you haven't, you will be. Uh, but can I tell you, it's not just the fancy thing of putting your name on a sheet of paper. It's going, no, I'm going to serve. I'm going to be willing to step out of my comfort zone, and I'm going to serve. And we need you serving. So would you please respond to those? Would you please step up? One of the areas of ministry that we, didn't, that we need and we did not get any, uh, any sign-ups to is our online host, uh, and we need to expand that team a little bit. And that online host is during our live stream. Um, and those of you that have been at home or are at home are the, the recipients of that ministry that someone's interacting with you on the live stream part. And so we need some more people to step into that. And you're going, well, I don't know how to do that. We have a system that is amazing and simple. And you would see Pastor Rhonda and she would help you out immensely. And so it's something that, that you can do. Um, and we, would, we, we need your help. Everyone say, we need their help. We, we need your help. Everyone needs to step in. Again, it's a level of maturity in our lives that we minister out of. And so we're wanting to call you to that level of maturity. Amen? Amen. Good, good. We're starting a brand new series this morning called Playing the Long Game. Everyone say that with me. Playing the Long Game. We're talking about a, a finite life and an infinite life. We're talking about how do we play the game. And so we're kind of just stepping into a brand new series this morning, trying to lay a groundwork, to lay, lay a foundation for a six-week series that we feel that the Holy Spirit has spoke to us about and challenged us about, and I'm excited to be able to bring it today. Uh, Mother Teresa makes a statement or made a statement. She said, life is a game, play it. Life is a game, play it. Now, let me ask you this question this morning. How many in this room like to play games? Maybe it's a table game. Maybe it's cards. Maybe it's an online game, a video game. Uh, some of those games are going to be by luck. Some of those games are going to be strategic. How many, how many like by luck games? How many like strategic games that you have, to, you have to think, you have to put your brain to, you know, some brain power? Um, I was kind of just doing a, um, a research on, on popular games, you know, and so I'm thinking of popular games like popular games that were games in my day, you know, like Scrabble and Rummy and Solitaire, you know. So when I typed in, it said 2022 games, I don't know these games. <laughs> Right, I mean, Damien's going to go. No, I got that game, and I can, I can, I can win. I can throw you down. But video games today, and I'm not good at video games. How many, how many are good at video games? The younger, younger generations got, you know, they got, they got it into this. But uh, number one game in 2021. Are you ready for this? Number one video game, Fortnite. 
Now, I don't know anything about Fortnite except from what I hear about from Trenton because he, he gets on and they do this four-game type thing and have the discussion. But Fortnite, game number two was League of Legends. Anybody heard of League of Legends? I mean, I don't know what that is. Uh, tied for three is Crossfire and Minecraft. Uh, most popular board games... Again, I don't know any of these games. More, number one is Canvas. Number two is Furnace. And number three is Cascadia. Now, Damien, are those names that you know? And you can beat everyone at those games, I'm assuming. Okay, right. Uh, uh, so, today, so some of these games, again, like I said, they're based on luck. They're based on, 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 on strategy. And maybe I'm the, the luck kind of guy, even though I like strategy. But, you know, you can play no-brainer by rolling dice and go, uh, Yahtzee or whatever it is, you know. Uh, uh, Scrabble, you have to have brains to be able to figure out words and uh, have a vocabulary and all that sort of stuff. But uh, the idea of this thing of playing the long game, playing a game that actually engages you or playing a game, uh, I, I, when I play a game, I want to win. How many want to win when you play a game? I don't want to just be a bystander. I don't want to just go, hey, let's just, let's just talk and chat. I'm like going, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> I am going to obliterate you in this game, but I'm going to smile while I'm doing it. <laughs> and what's really hard is that Allie and I have the same perspective, and she goes for blood, let me tell you. I mean, she's out to kill you, and she does it with a great smile on her face, just saying. Uh, and, and you cry. You, you're like in a fetal position after the game, sobbing, because she left you in the dirt. The life we live on this earth often feels similar to a game, whether it's a game of luck or it's a game of strategy, whether it's a game that we are winning or a game that we're losing, a game that has a beginning, a game that has an end, a game that has an up and a down, successes and failures. It can feel like we have teammates, but also opponents. It can feel at times like we've been benched or even thrown out of the game. Anybody ever feel like you're thrown out of the game of life? And whether right or wrong, after a person dies, we often evaluate whether they won or lost the game by, of life by asking this question. Questions. Did they have a successful marriage? Did they raise good kids? Were they hardworking? Did they love others? Every day that you and I wake up, we are automatically thrown in and checked into this game of life. Whether we are in this game of life on purpose and intentionally, and that we're heading to win, or whether we're just there as a bystander to go, hey, I'm, I've, I showed up. The only choice we do have is whether we will waste our life or we will invest our lives. When you hear this phrase, playing the long game, many things could come to mind. Maybe you think of the long game of a serious relationship that you want to make this relationship last. You want to invest. And I can tell you this, that most, that 90% of America today would go into a marriage going, I'm not just going into this marriage to get divorced five years down the road. They really have the intention that they're going into that marriage to make it last a lifetime, Right? We step back and we think of the long game, and maybe you're thinking of a long-term financial investment. Maybe you're thinking of a, a growing, a thriving business. Maybe you're thinking of, uh, of accomplishing school, whatever that might be, the long game. How do I endure and how do I win this game? In, 19, or in 1860, there was a game called the Game of Life. Original, original making of this game, 1860, a long time ago. It did not look like this. A hundred years, the, the goal of that was that you would begin at birth, 
go through, go through college, go through adulthood, have children, get to retirement, and how you ended your game of life was how you ended life, or how you, if you won, you, if you got the most money, you won. In 1960, there were some differences that came, and there was a space that came in the 1960 board that wasn't prior to and hasn't been thereafter, and it called, was called the Day of Reckoning. How many know that there is going to be a day of reckoning? But many of us don't live this game of life with a day of reckoning in mind. We live this game, we live this life much like uh, the game of life has, try, has convinced us to, that it, to win the game of life, you land on millionaire acres. That the most money that you can have in life is the winner of life. And I think that oftentimes that has shaped your perspective and my perspective. Our culture has shaped our perspectives on the long game. This definition of playing the long game is taking the necessary steps now to set yourself up for long-term success. Taking those necessary steps now to set ourselves up for long-term success. Maybe you are here today and you're a 20-year-old, maybe you're a 30-year-old and you're going, well, no, someday I need to think about retirement. I need to set myself up for success on planet Earth, that I'm going to live X amount of years, and I need to set myself up for success. I can tell you, as I get closer to retirement, I'm like going, oh, dear God, I better, I better be planning for this. I better be intentional with my, do you know what I'm talking about? So there's perspectives that we step into life and we go, well, that doesn't matter to me. And it should matter to us. We don't live the long game oftentimes. Simon Sinek is an author, a leadership guru, uh, a man who is, uh, a, that has, is a, uh, a consultant for businesses that gives input. And how many have heard of Simon Sinek, author? You know, maybe you've heard him speak, a great, powerful communicator. But he has this, ser- uh, this, this, this idea that has come about over the years that actually was in- influenced and in- impacted his life by a theologian. And he talks about these two words, infinite and finite. The infinite game being the long game and the finite game being the short game. And he defines it in such fashions as this, that a, a finite game is defined as known players, fixed rules, and agreed upon objectives. An infinite game is defined as known as, uh, as having known and unknown players, that there really is someone that is changing the rules on the process of life, but the objective is to keep the game in play. When he's talking about this concept, he's basically coming to this, 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 this overarching mindset that, that we're to live for more than just your life and existence now. To live your life so that when you, what you do while you're alive outlives you when you die. Now, he's not talking about a spiritual perspective here. He's talking about as you invest your life in a business, that that business will continue on after you, that it's not going to die after you. So he's challenging this mindset of the infinite and the finite. And as, we, as, as I've read his book and as I've looked at it, it's correlated and it's began to reverberate in my spirit of a topic that we as Christians used to talk a lot about. A topic that Christians used to live their lives a little bit different. And I want to bring us back to the concept of an infinite and a finite life. For Christ followers, even though this might be new to Simon Sinek's world, But for Christ followers, can I tell you that over 6,000 years ago began this journey of scripture, of authors, of prophets that spoke to an infinite existence. 
This is not new with Simon Sinek. It was, it's been a biblical concept, and not just the Old Testament, but it was passed into the New Testament that, that Jesus talked more about heaven and hell than he did other things in life. We can see this pattern of, the, of, the, of this existence of the infinite and the finite through the apostles as they wrote Scripture. The apostle Paul primarily speaks a lot about living our lives for something different than what's right here. And so this series that we want to step into over the next six weeks is going to confront this, this, this sentence right here. Uh, we are living finite lives but playing by infinite rules with an eternal purpose at stake. And I can tell you that that used to be very fresh on my mind, that there used to be very, very dynamic encounters with God's presence with this concept. But can I tell you, the more comfortable that I get on planet Earth, the more things that I acquire, the more things that I accomplish, there's times I can go, no, I got this. And I begin to live for now rather than for then. How many have ever been dissuaded from living for then and living now instead? That we've gotten distracted. And so what I want to do in this series is to stir us, and as particularly this morning, to stir us. Let me give you a definition of infinite and finite just so that you're understanding and grasping. Number one, or first of all, infinite is limitless or endless. Limitless or endless. It's an eternal focus that it doesn't just come to an end. It, it, has, it goes on and on and on and on. For us to grasp this concept of, of, of infinite, it's very difficult with our finite brains. It's very difficult for us to step in and go, how do I imagine eternity when all I, I can't even imagine my finite years and when it's, when it's going to end on this planet. Infinite, or finite, the definition is having limits or bounds. Something that is temporal. Something that's temporary, not eternal. Now, many of us are surrounded by lots of temporal things. Lots of temporal things that we find gratification in. That we find meaning in, do we not? I mean, I could go through relationships, I can go through jobs, I can go through uh, things that we acquire like a house or a car or a vacation or whatever it is, and we find meaning in this temporal things. God's not coming and going, don't find meaning in the temporal things. He's saying, find more meaning in the infinite things. Find more meaning in those things that are eternal. So with this in mind, the idea of playing the long game should mean something very specific to us as Jesus followers. It should guide, it should define, and clearly help us make the perspective and approach the posture and focus that we are to live with. We should live every day moment, uh, every day moment basing our decisions off the reality that even though our lives on earth are minuscule and in, compar in comparison to the vastness of history, we are not living for history, we're living for eternity. So when we think about this concept of in infinite and finite, our, our brains can struggle with all of this. In 1995, there was a movie that came out that, had, that rocked the world. It was, what, it was labeled as one of the number one animated shows. Uh, and I, I could say I could take guesses, but it was put out by Disney and it was called Toy Story. Anybody remember the Toy Story? I'll, I'll tell you, Toy Story, as you begin to look at it, is one of the greatest movies. It's, it's touted as one of the greatest movies and the most lucrative sequel sets that has ever been produced in an animation show. It penned a line that continues to live today. Most used, it's one of the most used statements on any Disney merchandise. 
It's also the most used line cameoed in other Disney pictures as well as other movies. And it's a line put out by Buzz Lightyear, one of his most favorite lines. Can anyone tell what it is? To infinity and beyond. To infinity and beyond. Somewhere as he came and he made this statement in 1995, it began to reverberate with culture. It began to reverberate, not, with child, not just with children, but adults, to go to infinity and beyond. This idea of, of that there's, there's something more to live for. There's something more that's out there. The sky is the limit. The possibilities are limitless. But what's amazing to me is that even though Buzz Lightyear penned this or voiced this, this statement, there was a man prior to Buzz Lightyear that did an infinity and beyond statement. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is walking alongside the Sea of Galilee and he sees two brothers, it says, and Simon called Peter, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting nets in the lake, and they were, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said, come, follow me. That was Jesus's to infinity and beyond. That was Jesus's statement to go, what, the life you are living right now is just a very limited life. I want to call you to a life that's an infinite life. I want to call you from a temporary life to an eternal life, to a life that has so much more. And so when we look at this concept today, we, this is a very biblical concept. And as we dive through this, this is a, a, a deeply theological t- sermon today. One that uh, theology, when we think of theology, it's not just a one statement in Scripture. Theology is a statement that continues on throughout Scripture. It's a th- statement, a study of God, a reflection of God, a reflection of God's character that goes from Genesis to Revelation. And we can see this concept from Genesis to Revelation. So we think of these two games that we're playing, the finite game and the infinite game. The finite game and the infinite game. And the question that I ask you this morning is what game are you playing? What game are you playing? What game are you playing? The title of my message is Play Your Game. Play Your Game. I remember when Trenton was in basketball in high school and the coach would say, Trenton, play your game. Or I would say before a game, just go out there and play your game. Oftentimes what was happening is he was living his life in comparison to someone else. Worried if he didn't, that that someone else might make more points or that someone else might get more rebounds. And we had to constantly remind him to go, Trenton, just play your game. No one can play your game for you. How many know today that no one can play your game for you? I challenge you this morning that when we step into this concept of infinite and finite, I want to come and tell you today, God is coming today and saying, play your game. Play your game. Don't compare your game with someone else. Don't compare your status with someone else. Don't compare how you behave with someone else. Play your game. Follow Christ the way Christ has called you to follow him. We were all created for eternity. We're created for eternity, and that causes this rub in our humanity, does it not? I think of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and, and the writer here, he's going, what, what, uh, what do workers gain for their toil? I have seen uh, the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. And then he goes on with this statement. He says, he has also set eternity in the human heart. Say that statement with me. He has set eternity in the human heart. One more time. He has set eternity in the human heart. How many have a sense of eternity in your human heart? Can I tell you where you do? 
because the average lifespan of humanity today in the United States of America, I think, is 79, 79.1 years. The average lifespan in the United Nations is 71 or 73.2 years. How I know that eternity has been planted in your heart and in my heart is that we don't like to think of our end day on this planet. We plan for retirement. We plan for the best. We plan to live a long life. But we all know that there is going to be an end on this planet. And none of us are satisfied by that. Right? We want to live forever. And that's why I know that based on this passage of Scripture, eternity has been placed in our hearts. It's part of our DNA. It's part of this Holy Spirit, God-directed DNA that we were created in His image. But can I tell you, as we all know, that that image was tainted and broken with sin. And even though we have this idea and this understanding, this longing for eternity, living our lives out, God says, I'm going to redeem this and I'm going to restore this. And rather than your world being here on this planet, your eternity is going to be on another planet. Your eternity is going to be in an existence that is far removed from us and that your life may be a finite life, but it was set for infinite glory. C.S. Lewis says this, Christianity asserts that every Individual being is going to live forever. And this must be either true or false. Now there are a good many things which would not be worth bothering if, if I were going to live only 70 years. But which I had better bother with, better bother about very seriously if I'm going to live forever. Let me ask you that every decision that you make, every choice that you come to, how you live your life, if you were really, truly living for eternity, would some of those things that you are deciding on today shift? If you were truly conscientious of the infinite on the other side of the finite that we're living in right now, would you really choose the things that you're choosing? Would you really walk out the path that you're walking? Would you be satisfied with the decisions in your life? Today, I want to look at Four shifts in our mentality, four shifts in our lives to shift our view to play the long game. I want to set this foundation today as we are going to look at the rest of it in the next five weeks. But number one today, we're to live with an eternal perspective. We're to live with an eternal perspective. Theodore Epps says this, we are so easily entangled in earthly affairs and so easily consumed with the desire for those things uh, that do not last. We will not, uh, we will not live on this earth forever or even our trials should be viewed in the light of eternity. When we come back and we think about all that we encounter and all that we experience on planet earth, it's more than just now. How you and I respond to all those things that we're facing now is more than just now. There's so much more beyond it. My favorite movie, one of my favorite movies, is Gladiator. Don't throw stones and don't judge me. How, how many want to be guilty and say that they love Gladiator? You've watched Gladiator, you love Gladiator. Every man, well, I was going to say every man in this room should probably raise their hand because Gladiator is like one of those, ooh, manly movies. Uh, but uh, I, I love Russell Crowe, uh, not in the wrong way. I think he's like a great actor, okay? Uh, but here in this movie, he's, he's a general, a Roman general, and his name is what? 
Maximus. He makes a famous, uh, a famous line, a famous statement at the, beginning of his mo- at the beginning of this movie, and he's challenging his troops before they step into battle, and he says, hold the line, stay with me. If you find yourself alone riding in the green fields with the sun on your face, do not be troubled, for you are in Elysium or heaven, and you're already dead. And he finishes the statement this way. He says, brothers, what we do in life echoes in eternity. What we do in life echoes in eternity. And you're going, well, is that true? Yeah, that's true. Can I tell you, there's a theological statement in this line of his. What you do in this life, what you do on planet Earth, is going to echo into eternity, whether it's positive or whether it's negative. How you live here determines there. But before Maximus said anything like this, the Apostle Paul said, this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. How many have had circumstances in your life that you lose heart? That you've been so tainted by the things of this planet that you lose heart, you feel discouraged, you feel defeated. You, it's hard to get, lift your head off the pillow the next day. You feel dissuaded by all that's taking place. And Paul says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly, though this finite life that we're living on this planet, it's going to echo into eternity. He says, this outward life that is wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. He says, for our light and our momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. An eternal glory. Can I tell you today that for us to live the long game, for us to play the long game, for you to succeed at your finite life according to infinite rules, you have to understand that you, number one, have to change your perspective about eternity. You have to come to a place of realization that my, infinite, that my finite life is short, but my infinite life is forever. Paul was not complaining or making light of troubles. You know, I hear this passage of Scripture sometimes, or I use this passage of Scripture sometimes to try to bring comfort to someone, and sometimes this word of, but our light and our momentary afflictions, meh, what's the big deal? Get over it. Can I tell you, Paul's not going, get over it. Paul's going, I want you to realize the gravity of what you're going through is real, but the gravity of what you're going through is nothing in comparison to this eternal thing that I have called you to. He doesn't want us to lose heart. He doesn't want us to get dissuaded. He wants us to prepare for this eternal weight of glory. That there's something so much greater out there than what we're going through. Josephus, a historian, he wrote uh, 37 AD to 100 AD, this document, that, this book that we've compiled as a result of Josephus, this man that was after Jesus but reported a lot about Jesus. He says there's a moving story which comes out of the persecution of of Christians in the third and fourth centuries. One aged saint had spent many years in a dark and a gloomy dungeon bound by a great ball and chain. When the emperor Constantine ascended to the throne, thousands of Christians were released from imprisonment and among them was this old man. Desiring to, uh, to recompense him for his years of misery, the emperor commanded that the ball and chain be weighed and that the old man given the equivalent of its weight in gold. Thus, the greater the weight of his chain, the greater the weight of his reward and release to come. 
Paul is writing this passage of Scripture, and he's, in a sense, in a way, comparing or, or this mindset of going, no, this present life of what you're encountering, let's, let's, let's weigh the pressure, let's weigh the pain of your life, and let's put that value on eternal glory. And it says the glory of eternity will far outweigh all of those things, this abundance and upon abundance that God has provided for us. Changing our perspective, James chapter 4 says this. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why do you, even, why, why do you not even know what will happen? Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. Isn't that the ultimate problem of our lives? Is it we really don't know what's going to happen tomorrow? We long, we plan. We lay up in store on this planet what we think should be up in store on this planet. We don't even know what tomorrow is going to entail. And James comes with this question. He says, what is your life? I ask you today, what is your life? What is your life? Is your life consumed with your 79.1 years on planet Earth? What is your life? What are you living for? When we're younger, it's hard to imagine even the 79.1 years we're going, well, I'm going to live forever, and I don't really have to invest right now. It doesn't matter. I can, just, I can just sow my wild oats because life is, I have a lot of life left. Can I remind you today that no one in this room knows how long they're going to live? No one knows how long that if you get in your car today, that as you're driving someplace, that you may not have a heart attack, that you may not have a car accident. You're saying, Pastor Kevin, make me feel good. What I want you to realize is that your finite life is limited and God is the one that numbers those days. Eternal perspective. You're not in control of you. James goes on in a statement. He says, you are but a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Your lifespan of 79.1 years is a mist. This idea of a mist is a low-hanging fog, not quite intense, intense enough as a fog, but it leaves that mist and obscures the visibility on your windshield, where you have to hit the little thing every once in a while so your windshield clears off. Do you know what I'm talking about? The mist that's there. That annoyance of a mist. How many love the mist? I hate the mist. I hate being at the coast and have the mist. And you wake, you get out to your car and it's like, go away. This low-hanging thing that is hindering my perspective, that's hindering my visibility. So a mist in our lives, this thing that we're talking about is we're hindered by our perspectives in this mist of life. Not only are we hindered by it, but we realize that life is very, very short. We need to live our lives with an eternal perspective. Number two, we need to live in a constant, live in a contrast between now and not yet. How many are now people? Anybody now people? Like you think of something, you're going, I want it now. Uh, how, how many like to save? How many like to save for a car? How many like to save for a Disneyland trip? How many like to save for a house? Many times in our culture, we want to come and we want to go, I want it now. I see it and I want it, Right? This idea of the now and the not yet, and I think of my wife as she's oftentimes the not yet kind of person, and I want to go, <laughs> but then I could be the not yet in her life as well, right? 
That, that thing in our life that oftentimes we go, no, I want this, and God's going, what you want is not yet. What you want cannot be provided on this planet. What you desire, the significance that you want and, and long for cannot be fulfilled on planet Earth. This contrast between now and not yet. C.S. Lewis has said that these present bodies are given to us much as ponies are given to English schoolboys. They learn to ride the ponies in order to get ready for the glorious stallions that are even now arching their necks and pawing the floor in heavenly stables. The now and the not yet. Can I tell you, maybe you're going, I don't even understand what that is. I don't ride a horse. Let me tell you that there's stages of learning how to ride a horse. And they're not going to give you a wild stallion with energy and excitement until you've learned to ride the pony. And that's what life is about. That you and I on planet Earth are learning to ride the pony. In this finite life that you and I are living, God's going, I'm preparing you for an eternal weight of glory. Now and not yet. Paul goes on in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, for... We know that if this earthly tent of ours uh, that we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven that is not built by human hands. Something that you and I can't conceive. Something that is beyond our understanding. He says, meanwhile, we groan longing to be clothed, uh, clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling because when we are clothed, we 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 will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and we are burdened. And it goes on a little, bit long, a little bit further and it says, but we are consumed, we desire that this mortality would be swallowed up by life. Today, when we think about this concept of now and not yet, we groan in life. How many groan? The older you get, you groan. Sometimes when you're young, you groan. How many know that it's not just us that's groaning, but how many realize that someone else's life is groaning and we have compassion on the groaning in their life? Their brokenness, their hurdle, the now circumstances of life that seem insurmountable. But what I love about this passage of Scripture is that Paul comes and goes, no, there's this common thing called groaning. You're going to groan because this tent that you are in is not this eternal tent that you were created for. This tent that you are in is temporary. And we all long that we would be swallowed up by life. Jesus encouraged, Jesus stressed this aspect of eternity. And he gave this challenge in Matthew chapter 6. He says, some people store up treasures here in their homes and on earth. We save and we plan and we store up all these things. And it says that this is a short-sighted practice. Don't undertake it. Moth and rust can eat up and uh, will eat up and destroy the treasures that you've stored there. Thieves may break into your homes and steal your precious trinkets. Instead, put your treasures in heaven. Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus is preaching this exact message to his disciples, to his followers. And he said, come, follow me. Don't store up your treasures here. Store up your treasures there. Make sure you're living your life with the right agenda. Make sure you're realizing that the, the now is the not, that the, there's a difference between now and not yet. Our perspective on the future of our future life impacts our decisions in the present life. Can I tell you, when I'm living rightly, not that I'm living wrongly, but when I live more heavenly minded than I am earthly minded, it shifts my perspective and it shifts my decisions that I make. Paul Tripp, 
a pastor and preacher from a generation ago has a concept that he writes about. And I want to read it to you. It's going to like three paragraphs, and I just want you to listen to these words. He said, it is sad how many people constantly live in the schizophrenic craziness of eternity amnesia. We were created to live in a forever relationship with a God forever. We were designed to live based on a long view of life. We were made to live with one eye on now and one eye on eternity. You and I simply cannot live as we were put together to live without forever. But so many people try. They put, on their, their, they put all their hopes and dreams in the right here, the right now situations. The locations, the possessions, the positions, and the people of their, of, of their daily lives. They, lo- they load moment after moment with the undeliverable expectations. They ask people to be what people on this side of eternity will never be. They demand that a serious, seriously broken world deliver what it, what it could never deliver, even if it were not broken. They fail to recognize that at the bottom of all this drivenness and insanity is an expectation that now can be the paradise that it will never be. It's, a wonder, it's wonderful for you to have a good marriage, but it will never be paradise. It's great to have a good relationship with your children, but they will never deliver paradise to you. That beautiful house that began decaying from the moment it was built will not be your paradise. Those still flawed people around you will not offer you paradise like relationships. And forgetting who you are, forgetting how you were designed to live, forgetting who God is, and forgetting what is to come, you make yourself and those around you crazy. Your eternity amnesia makes you unrealistically expectant, vulnerable to temptation, all too driven, dependent on people and things that will only disappoint you, and sadly susceptible to doubting the goodness of God. How many have discovered that in your own life? We put our expectations on people and we're, we're discouraged, we're dissuaded. Recognizing the eternity that it is to come allows you to be realistic about being hopeless and hopeful when things around you don't encourage much hope. The evidence is clear. There just has to be more to life than this. This broken, sin-scarred mess can't, can't be all there is. And Scripture is clear. This is not paradise. And it won't be, and it never will be. Rather, this moment is a time of preparation for the paradise that is to come, where everything that sin has broken will be fully restored to what God originally intended it to be. He asked this question, is there schizophrenia in your living? Do you make your hunger for paradise a form of insanity by coupling it with forgetfulness about what is to come? Do you load paradise with expectations into fallen world moments? Does your eternity amnesia tempt you to, be, to question the goodness of God? He challenges, he says, pray for grace to remember God and the unending end he has written into the, glory, into the story of all who put their trust in him. Longview living is wise living. Longview living is Godward living. Longview living is hopeful living. Longview living will make you thankful for grace. Today, we need to ask God to restore in us this, this mindset of eternity. This craziness that we are feeling on planet Earth is a craziness that is only instilled because of our schizophrenia that we forget about eternity. The now and the not yet. Point number three, live by faith and not by, faith, not by sight. Live by faith and not by sight. How do we play the long game? We live by faith. 
In chapter 4, we see Paul talking about the seen and the unseen. The seen is the temporal. The unseen is the eternal. How many of us get consumed with what we see versus what we don't see? It's hard for us to find this meaning to go, no, God, I believe in you. No, God, I trust you. But is heaven really as grand as they say it is? I can't see it. I can't see it. I can't, I, God, I can't experience it. God, I can't comprehend it. My human mind does not comprehend it. And that's where Paul comes and he says, rather than seeing about this, rather than seeing, we have to choose to believe the unseen. In chapter 5, Paul says this in chapter 4. In chapter 5, Paul comes back and he reiterates it once again about what we see. Let me ask you, do you think the Holy Spirit had an agenda that chapter 4 is talking about the seen and unseen, and then chapter 5, once again, Paul comes back and says the seen and the unseen? Do you think that humanity has a problem with what we see and what we don't see? Do you think that humanity has a problem with faith and believing and not doubting? Paul comes in chapter 5 of of 2 Corinthians 2, he says, therefore, we are always confident. Everyone say confident. Paul uses this word confidence twice in two verses of Scripture. Therefore, we are always confident. Not just confident, he says always confident. Meaning that we are never let down. We are never discouraged. Uh, uh, That we are always confident and we know that as long as we are at home in this body, that we are away from the Lord. For we are to live by faith and not by sight. We are confident. There it is again. I say that and would prefer to be away from this body and at home with the Lord. Today, when we talk about this idea of seen and unseen, or faith, this aspect of faith and versus sight, many times what we don't see robs us. Because we don't see it, we feel robbed of a joy that God wants us to encounter. And I think what it comes back to is this, is that we are not confident, as Paul says. We're not living with a confidence of faith. That what, we, what God has written to us, what God has said to us, we can count on. That we will see him face to face someday. And that is what deters us from this aspect of living by faith. What I love about this passage of scripture is not only is it talking about this current life, this life that's right in front of us, but he's going, we live by faith. But the concept is, is that someday it's no longer going to be a step of faith. We're going to see Jesus. And we're going to walk with him by sight, not just by faith. It's a difference of a mindset, a difference of an understanding. One thing that we know is that Paul looked forward with eager anticipation to the day that he would see Jesus face to face. Can I tell you, when I grew up in church, when I, uh, even in, in my early, ministry, early years of ministry, this concept was talked about a lot. This concept is very, very rarely spoken of in our current culture. We are so earthly focused. And my challenge today, my call today, is to bring a theological principle that, is, that reverberates from the beginning of the book to the end of the book to go, let's get our mind back on Christ. Let's get our mind and our purpose of our living back on what God intended for it to be. In a culture that's pulling at us, in a culture that's trying to dissuade us, in a culture that our enemy, Satan, is trying to defeat us. Can I tell you what's going to defeat the enemy? A shift of focus. Not allowing him to distract us. Something better and something more is coming. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8. He says, in my opinion, whatever we have, uh, whatever we may, may have or go through now is less than, less than nothing compared with the magnificent future that God has in store for us. 
I want you to hear this, these words that he writes. Wow. It says, the whole creation is on tiptoe to see the wonderful sight of the sons of God coming into their own. Can I tell you that all of creation even understands eternity better than you and I do? The Bible's saying that they're on tiptoe, they're anticipating, they're waiting, they're looking to see when will we discover the glory that God created us for? When will we step into that? When will we encounter it? It should be something that stirs us, something that excites us. And in transparency this morning, there are times that I think about the end of my life and I go, oh, I don't want my life to end. Can I tell you what God's trying to do in my spirit? He's saying, Kevin, get your focus off the, inf- off the finite. Get your fo- focus on the infinite. That our, my worldly life is going to echo into eternity. Your worldly life is going to echo into eternity. Live your life as if it matters because it does. Number four today, and lastly, the way that we live the long game is we live with the goal to please God. The ultimate goal is we live our lives to please God. A couple of verses down in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 and 10, Paul writes, he says, So as in light of all these things, in light of realizing that our, our, our tents groan, in realizing all these things, we make it our goal to please him. Whether we are at home in the body or we are away from it. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or whether bad. Loaded power of scripture. Loaded, loaded, loaded verses that are right here. And what I want you to, I just want to break it down real quickly. Number one, that whether you're alive or whether you're dead, you're living to please God. Whether this is on this side of eternity or that side of eternity, you're going, God, how do I please you? Can I tell you today, that if you, would, if you would sum up your life, every decision that you are making from this point forward based on this passage of Scripture, saying the goal of my life is to please him. God, what, is it, what do you want me to do? What is going to please you? Our culture is deceiving, and our culture makes us accepting of things that are not acceptable in the Word of God. And God wants to call us back to what is the goal? What is your goal? Is it to please our culture? Is it to please yourself? Is it to acquire things under yourself? Is it to acquire this house and all? And God's not against all of those things. But can I tell you this? They're not the epitome of life. We step in and we look at someone's life and we judge them by their marriage and by their kids and by their homes and the cars they drive. Can I tell you, God doesn't judge you over those things. He is going to judge you over your marriage. He is going to judge you over your children. But those things that we have on this earth that we so live for and strive for, God's going, they don't even matter to me. They don't even matter to me. You're storing up things on this earth that moth and rust are going to destroy. Live your life in a way to please him. And the reality is this, the harshness of this verse, the eye-opening fact of this verse is verse number 10 it says, for all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Many times you and I go, well, I'm good with God. Peace out. I'm good. Can I tell you that when you stand before God, when I stand before God, he's going to judge all of the fine-tuning of our lives, of how we pursued our life.
how we gave, how we served, how we loved, our attitudes, how we witnessed. All of these things that you and I get so obsessed with on planet Earth, that you and I have been obsessed with over the last two years of COVID, vaccinated or not vaccinated, mask or no mask, Republican or Democrat. Can I tell you, to him he's going, it's a mist. It's a mist. It's clouding your perspective. It's a mist. It doesn't matter. It's a mist. It's short. This is not your best life. This is not your best life. Planet Earth is not your best life. Many of us are putting all the eggs in one basket to go, I want my best life now. And God's going, not yet. You weren't created for your best life here. You are created for your best life there. As I close today, Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Paul writes so much about this perspective of eternity. He says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I press on. Everyone say, I press on. Come on, I press on. I press on heavenward. I don't press on earthbound. I don't press on to the next five years on this planet in my, my retirement account. I don't press on to acquire. I don't press on to the next vacation. Now, those things are on our peripheral view. They're not our priorities. Paul's coming back and goes, your priority is I press on heavenward. I press on heavenward for God has called me there. That's where God has called me. I think of the song you guys sang this morning, the, 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 the second song, and it says, you restore the desires of my soul or desires of my heart, something to that effect. Can I tell you today that many times you and I are looking to the world to restore something in us that is broken. We're looking for our desires to be restored. We're looking for our hearts to be mended. And whether you've come to the reality as a result of this message or not, nothing on planet Earth can restore your broken heart. It only will break it more. It only scars it more. Why? Because what we have on this planet is broken. The only thing that can restore us is the perfect, the perfection of God himself. That's why it's such a spiritual thing. That's why it's such a divine, eternal thing. Today, as we respond Number one, we need to live with eternal perspective. Number two, we need to live between the now and the not yet. Number three, we need to live by faith and not by sight. Number four, we need to live with the goal to please God. And just in the quietness of this moment, would you just close your eyes? Would you listen to the question that I'm going to ask? Would you make an honest assessment of your life today? What step do you need to take to live your, your finite life with infinite purpose? What step or steps do you need to take to live this finite life with infinite purpose? What steps do you need to take to live your finite life with infinite purpose?
If you're single today, that is a single decision. If you're married today, that's a corporate decision. It's a single decision on your part, but it's also a corporate decision on how are we going to live, live our married life together for an infinite purpose? How are we going to raise our children together for an infinite purpose? God, today I'm thankful for the power of your word. I'm thankful that you are a God, that you reveal yourself to us. You reveal your, reveal your truth to us. And God, today as we hear these words, as we see the, the magnitude of this principle, God, our finite minds cannot comprehend an infinite God. But God, today we come and we ask that you restore those holy desires of our heart to pursue you. God, would you help us to change our eternal perspective? God, would you help us to realize the now that we're living in, that we need to live it in such a way that is impacting the not yet? God, those of us that struggle with faith and seeing, God, help us to step into a greater avenue, a greater place of faith. And God, maybe we be challenged today, challenged over the next six weeks, and not even just over the next six weeks, for the remainder of our life, God, that this, this last point, that we would live our lives with the goal to please you. God, I believe that there are people in this room today that have been challenged to shift their finite life. There's been a shift in their thinking, at least. God, would you give them the steps and the grace to walk out an infinite life that you called us to? Before I say amen, I just want to give an opportunity here today that some of you may be living this finite life because you don't know anything about the infinite eternity. Maybe you're here today and you've not given your life to Christ. Maybe you're online watching and you've not given your life to Christ. And so all that your life entails is a finite life. You're not thinking about the eternity. And if you're here today and you're going, I need to make sure that my, my infinite destination is prepared and ready. I want to make sure that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I want to give you an opportunity this morning. If there's anyone here today that says, Pastor Kevin, I need to make sure that my heart is right before Christ. I don't know if I know him. Would you just, a sign of a raised hand, I want to pray with you. Your heads are bowed, bowed eyes are closed. Thank you. Anybody else today? Maybe online it's as simple as acknowledging your sinfulness today. Simple as acknowledging that you've been focused on a finite life rather than an infinite life. And God, today in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the power of salvation. God, these people that have responded to this message this morning or even these words of salvation today, God, I pray that you would make yourself known to them. Jesus, we ask you to forgive us of our sins. Jesus, we ask you to come into our lives. Jesus, we ask you to change our thinking. Jesus, we ask you to be the Lord of our lives and to help us to live with an infinite perspective. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I want to thank you for coming today. And if you need prayer, our prayer team's coming around the front and they would love to pray with you, love to encourage you. We will see you next Sunday for for sermon number two in this Play in the Long Game series. You don't want to miss it. Go cheer on your favorite team for the Super Bowl, uh, but go Team Jesus, right? Amen. God bless you. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another, and reach our world. 
This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.